Well, I imagine you've had a pretty big weekend. There's been lots of celebrations. Uh, I myself have um, been to several things, including the uh, Star Spangled uh, Symphony out of Connor Prairie, and then we experienced the Forest Park, all the festivities there, the fireworks that uh, went. I hope that went well. I don't know uh, what it was like for those trying to park, but uh, it worked well for us. And I want to thank all of you who got in the spirit and wore your red, white, and blue. Did you notice the Seekers had red, white, and blue shirts uh, this morning? And thank you for bringing your flags. Uh, I, I thought I'd, I'd show a few pictures that kind of help us get in the spirit. Yeah, another one. Lots of apparel, including swim trunks and pajamas. And a wreath. And at the baseball game, his wings flap. And I took that one. That was at a recent funeral who had already uh, painted her nails. I said, can I take a picture of that? And I did, and she let me do that. Well, thank you all again, the spirit. I, I love seeing that. I, I love how it brings us together. You know, there's so many things in our country that divide us. It's nice to have a few days that we put that aside and just celebrate the freedoms we have and, and the ways that we're brought together, the community that we're, we should experience. And I want us to tap into that pride today, that pride of being a citizen, because it will help us understand what the Apostle Paul was trying to say to the church that was at Philippi. He uses that term, citizens of heaven, to describe our relationship with God, with Jesus Christ, and also to share our responsibilities here on earth. Now, we tend to take our citizenship for granted. Uh, a few years ago, we got to experience something very special at Old Bethel. One of our families uh, was Hispanic, came from Honduras. They had gotten their citizenship several years before when they migrated, and they actually lived in New York. And part of what was interesting about their story is that, that Werner, who became our facilities manager... Um, was brought to Indianapolis because his job was in the World Trade Center, which was destroyed at 9-11. Well, their daughter Maria was five years old when they came to the United States, and so, of course, she was not a citizen yet. And if you are a child of citizens, you can, before the age of 18, apply for citizenship and take the test. And she did. I think she was about uh, 13, 14 when she did so, and she passed. Let me tell you, that was a, a celebration for that family, something that we tend to take for granted. Well, Paul is trying to tap into that kind of pride when he writes his letter to the church that it's Philippi. Because Philippi was a Roman colony. Most of the people he'd be writing to would be Roman citizens. And so he uses that term very intentionally to draw their attention and to explain something about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Well, let's talk about what it meant to be a Roman citizen. It's a pretty significant list. It was a very special designation that, that did take different uh, uh, avenues depending on what period of the Roman Empire that you're talking about. But in general, we can say these things about what it meant to be a Roman citizen. It meant that you had the right to have legal contracts and to hold property. It meant that you could have a lawful marriage, and because of that, then the children from that marriage would also become citizens. It gave you the freedom to migrate anywhere within the Roman Empire and retain your citizenship no matter what land, what, what language was spoken. It meant that you were also 
somewhat immune from some local taxes, local laws, and, and regulations. It meant you could sue and be sued in court. It meant that you had a right to a legal trial. And it meant that you could not be tortured or whipped, and you could even commute a death sentence to living in exile unless you were accused of treason. And if accused of treason, if you're a Roman citizen, you had a right to appeal and have a trial in the city of Rome. Now, it's some of these rights that the Apostle Paul called upon in Acts chapter 22, 22 through 29. He's in Jerusalem, and because of his preaching, a riot has ensued, and so he's been taken into custody. He's being strapped and stretched out, getting prepared to be interrogated and whipped to find out what, why he's causing this trouble. But in the process, he asks the centurion who's overseeing his interrogation, he says, and he knows the answer, can you legally whip a Roman citizen who hasn't been found guilty in court? And the centurion stops what's going on and he <clears throat> goes to his commander and explains the situation. And so the commander himself comes and asks Paul if he's a Roman citizen. And Paul says, yes, he is. And he's curious how Paul got his citizenship. It's an odd situation to have a Jew also be a Roman citizen. He explains he had to pay a lot of money for his citizenship. And Paul very proudly says that he had received his by birth. And this began Paul's imprisonment, which pretty much turned into a house arrest. He was able to continue his ministry, but it brought him on his journey to Rome where he brought the good news to the capital of the Roman Empire. I'd like us to stop and ponder and think about what it means to be citizens of the United States. We all have a lot of the rights that we already spoke of that the Romans had, but we have some more, don't we? What are some additional rights that we have as citizens of the United States? Go ahead and just shout it out. To vote. To vote. What else? Freedom of speech. Freedom of worship. What else? The right to assemble. Yes. What else do we have? How about the right to an education? American Civil, Civil Disabilities, Act, Disabilities Act means that we have more accessibility, that persons, no matter what their challenges, have a greater accessibility. There's a lot that we can say that comes with being a citizen of the United States. You might literally say that there is a stewardship, as Christians, there is a stewardship of our citizenship that we should consider. It's one we probably don't think a whole lot about. We tend to feel we're just one person. We have so little power. And it seems that in our country, the more money you have, the more power you have. And there's certainly no doubt about that. I wish there was a way to design some perfect law that would make us a more equitable democracy. But that would probably be almost impossible. But still, we have a lot of power in spite of those challenges. When I was in seminary, I took a class called Strategies of Social Change. And one of the requirements was that we had to do a project that studied an agency, a movement, some kind of group that was trying to affect change in our world. So I and a couple others got our heads together. We said, let's do something big. 
we decided to go to Washington, D.C. Our seminary was in Ohio, take a road trip, and we decided to focus on the theme of hunger. So we studied the offices. We went to the offices of Bread for the World and talked to the people that worked there, learned how legislation uh, is worked towards. And then we went to the offices of Senator Dick Luger. We actually got 15 minutes with Senator Luger. We were very impressed. We were even more impressed by what his office staff, how they described him as an academic and someone who actually read the bills that, that he votes on and, and will read a lot of the letters that were actually sent to him. And they explained to us how you have the best chance to influence a legislator in Washington. And they shared that you got to keep your letter concise. You write it, and you, and you try to design it so that it speaks in a unique way, not just some generic way towards an issue, but shares a personal reason for it. And they said if, if you write a letter in that way, that letter really represents like 200 citizens because the reality is most people don't do anything about their citizenship. Now, I know a lot has changed, and there's a lot more challenges. Gerrymandering makes our districts a little more immune to that, that vote making a difference. The polarization of political parties makes it harder. Social media and email all has made it all a different game, but the reality is still true. If you care enough, to take the time to write a letter, to use all the means to correspond with your legislators, you can have a voice. It may or may not change that particular issue, but it will be heard, and it does make a difference. One a little additional side note from that trip, we learned something else. We went to an agency called the City of Hope that was working for local hunger in, in Washington, D.C. It was right in the midst of one of the roughest sections of Washington, D.C., and we listen to how they go about it and the, the legal services they provide, the food they provide, and clothing. And we were so inspired. We got in our cars and started to head out of town. We would completed our mission, ready to go back home. And just as we got up the street, just at the end of the block, we got waved down. And we stopped and rolled down our window. And there's a guy in the corner, and he had these little packets in his hands. And he, he said, uh, how many do you want? And my friend Joe was in the passenger seat who grew up in suburban Indianapolis, he didn't know what he was offering. He told us later he thought it was raffle tickets. Bill and I pretty quickly surmised what was going on. We said, Joe, roll up your window. And we got out of there as fast as we can and realized that was your local street corner drug dealer. We thought, boy, that'd be a great headline. Three seminary students arrested for <laughs> drug trafficking. Paul says in 3.20 of Philippians, our citizenship is in heaven. We look forward to a Savior that comes from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, Paul takes this idea of citizenship and he uses it to describe our relationship with Jesus Christ. And notice that he places it in the present tense. I mean, this isn't just something we, we wait for and long for when we die and go to heaven. Because we are citizens of heaven, it makes a difference with what we do right here and right now. Have you ever heard the phrase, she is so heavenly minded that she is no earthly good? Have you ever heard that phrase before? But Paul would say, we have to be heavenly minded in order to be earthly good. That gives us the hope, the power to know that we don't ever quit because ultimately, we will win. Ultimately, God will win out. 
If you read the scriptures in your faith first this week, you'll discover that there's a sense that we as Christians are like strangers in an alien land, sojourners who really, in a sense, have dual citizenship. Yes, we're citizens of the United States, but even more, we're citizens of heaven. And if those two ever come into conflict, our allegiance ultimately should be God in his son, Jesus Christ. He tells us also that it's a gift. It's something we can never be born into. We're adopted. We're adopted by the power and blood of Jesus Christ who gave his life on our behalf. And then Paul sets forth that contrast and and talks about people that focus on their stomachs. And he's talking a whole lot more than just about the food that we eat. He's talking about the concentration and, and taking that citizenship and using it only for our own means and our own good. And he contrasts that with Christ who took the way, the sacrificial way to the cross and modeled it for us. A week ago Thursday, I had the honor of giving the invocation at the Janus Developmental Services Awards Banquet. And it's an awards banquet unlike any other. They got some unique ways to to acknowledge the gifts and abilities of people with special needs. And I arrived there a little bit early and found my table that I was supposed to sit at before I gave the invocation. And I looked around and saw one of our church members. So I went over and said, so how are you connected with Janus? Because I I'd never had that discussion with him before. And he said, well, I just recently became a bus driver for their transportation system. I said, oh, that is, that's exciting. Thank you for doing that. That, that. that is such a ministry. And he said, you know, that's kind of how I look at it. It's my ministry. Now, I don't know if you know what a bus driver does for Janus Development Services, but their transportation system is absolutely awesome. It's one of the unique things about our county that you can't find anywhere else in the state of Indiana. That people, it's, and it's something anyone can ride, but it's specially designed to help those with special needs. So for $5 a day, you can go to and from anywhere in our county. So that means you can have a job, you can live in a group home, you can have some independence from your family of origin and do the things that you want to do. So imagine how freeing that is to families looking after their loved ones. Think about how empowering it is to someone who will never be able to get a driver's license. Think about how much esteem that brings to them to know that they can have that kind of independence. That is a ministry. And that is a great use of their citizenship, being citizens of heaven. How many of you volunteer in some organization beyond Noblesville First? Thank you. Can we... You are living out being citizens of heaven. I also told our church member there, I said, you know, we're trying to figure out a way to start measuring engagement because when somebody's volunteering in an agency, they're actually living out what is our ultimate goal. As much as we love to be together in worship and come together, this is not the ultimate destination of what we're about here. I've often described, and I've said before in worship, that church is like an airport terminal. Nobody goes to the airport terminal just to hang out, right? You go there because it's the place you got to go to get to your ultimate destination. 
And in reality, that's what the church is about. We're here to equip you, inspire you, provide hope, encouragement, whatever knowledge is necessary that you find what you have to offer to the world and go live that out week after week. That's what it means to be citizens of heaven. So to put that in the language of our scripture today, we're to discover here how to live out your citizenship in the world because you are a citizen of heaven. So I hope I've given you something to think about as you think about being a citizen. We do have so much to be thankful for. Thank you for helping us to celebrate our freedoms, our citizenship. But I hope that you go away believing that the best way to be patriotic, the best way to be a citizen is to do everything you can to make this country a better place for all. Use your power as citizens to make this country so it lives up to the ideals that it was founded upon. To live here on earth with less concern for our stomachs and focused on the sacrificial living demonstrated by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Appreciate so much. We don't know how it is that we're so lucky to be born and live in this country. But we know that it is a privilege and honor we should not ever take for granted And we need to take that freedom and use it so that all persons, not only in this nation, but in this world, can also experience that freedom from oppression. To also experience that pursuit of happiness. So help us find what role we're called to play, what our purpose on this earth is. To live that out so that we can truly become citizens of heaven. This we ask for and pray in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who is our Lord. Amen.